Welcome to Shipwrecks, a podcast where we recommend and review erotic fanfiction. I'm Audrey, and with me here today are my friends, Abby and Mira. In these first six episodes, we're focusing on the Harry Potter fandom. Today, we're reading Mira's second selection, Epistolary Charms, which is a Lucius Malfoy and Hermione fic by Beam Me Up Scotty. And as usual, we have a themey little cocktail to go with it. So, Abby, could you tell us what we're drinking? Today we're drinking Spanish coffee, and that's because there's a lot of time spent in a coffee shop that ends up a little fiery. This recipe is ripped directly from Huber's in Portland, Oregon, because honestly, they do it the best, so I'm not even going to pretend. It's a combination of high-proof rum, triple sec, coffee liqueur, and some fresh-brewed coffee. And whipped cream. Oh, yes, whipped cream. Extremely (laughs) important. I doubled up my whipped cream. If you want to get fancy, you can put a sugar rim on which is delicious also. Yes. So for me, drinking on a weeknight, no big deal. But drinking coffee after five, I'm like, woo. Wild and crazy. I only do that when I have a work deadline, usually. Or a podcast (laughs) deadline that I put off. (laughs) So Mira, what are you drinking in the pregnancy corner? Um, I was going to get my small portion of caffeine that I'm allowed and make some sort of mocha business. But I just made chocolate coconut milk again. I'm lazy and it's delicious. It does sound good. It's pretty good. Okay, um, so you picked our story today, Mira. Do you want to give us the basic setup? Yes. Um, so trigger warnings, there's infidelity, and there's mentions of self-harm in this story. Fair warning, there's a lot going on. It's a good plot, I think, and there's a lot of subplots and character development and stuff, and it makes it hard to summarize, but it also makes it great. So bear with me for a second. So it's a few years after the war is over. Hermione is with Ron. Harry and Ginny are married and being pressured to have children by her mother. Everyone's trying to just enjoy the calm of the peacetime. Lucius Malfoy has been released early from Azkaban about a year prior because his wife was dying and because his son tried to commit suicide. We find out that Hermione testified on his behalf about how he had reformed and helped the ministry track down dark wizards and artifacts and that this was instrumental in getting him released. The story opens with a date night between Ron and Hermione. It's her night to pick an activity and she chooses an academic lecture and book signing. Ron is restless and complaining that he's missing a Quidditch match. Hermione tells him off, hears a snicker behind her and turns to find Lucius Malfoy there. Ron and Lucius snark off at each other, resulting in Ron stomping off, insisting that they leave. Hermione is upset that she's gonna miss out on her book signing and leaves Lucius with a parting shot that he still ruins everything. The next morning, a strange owl appears at her window with a personalized copy of the book she had wanted, courtesy Lucius Malfoy. She writes a thank you note, he writes back, and then they strike up an academic correspondence that leads to an unexpected friendship. And dare I say romance? (laughs) Dare, please do. So yeah, that's the setup. So we, spoiler alert, get um, a hair. This is a Lucius and Hermione fic. So I want to let each person chime in about um, how that central relationship worked for them. And I think we'll start with Abby. Honestly, I've been waiting to be converted. And it did. It really worked for me. Yes. <laughs> it did. Top tier. Mira, you get to be my new fan fiction personal shopper. You have a gift. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> because in this one, a lot of times it, it's harder for me if I infidelity as a blanket statement isn't a problem for me. It's more like when you don't even know about their spouses. Do you know what I mean? It's like 
by being a douche canoe, you can politely, like, excuse yourself from my concern. And Ron did a great fucking job of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's a lot of Ron bashing in this story. I feel like it's realistic, though. It is realistic. But it's like every time he turns the corner, he'll turn the corner and you'll be like, all right, you're excused from the table of my concern. And then he'll come back <laughs> and he'll invite himself over for tea. And you're like, okay, maybe, maybe. And then he just is like, nope, I'm going to burn your house down. I'm like, all right, I was right to kick you out the first time. But like, it's, it's like, it's a, it's really interesting how it's like the author writes him sort of back into good graces. Like he's always kind of a potato the whole time, but <laughs> it's not just consistent, like easy target. It is the easiest one, but not as easy as it could be. Let's put it that way. He's not a yes. giant monster in yeah. this, but... And I just, I felt like that, like you said, that's believable. It's believable. Cool. Um, for me, the central relationship, it is hot. I do want to buy into it. I did have to do some suspension of disbelief, just like... No. I mean, no, it's fine. I mean, you, there's always a little bit of something like that, but like, um, we see him in those books. We see, like, this, this story is telling us Lucius Malfoy is not such a bad guy. Not that he become he was bad and became good, but that he is good, you know, and did bad things, but has this like is is an academic person, is a compassionate person, loves children and stuff. And like we saw him abuse Dobby in the books. Like he abused Dobby. He abused Draco in the books. Like some of the stuff that he said and the joy that he took in other people's pain in the books, just have to pretend like that's not there because they they do offer a plausible explanation of how someone who was, you know, could get drawn into this dark side and all of this evil things that he did without being a horrible person. But I would argue that he was also a horrible person. So um, if there was a story where, like, he remains a horrible person, that could be hot or becomes a better person. But this one here where it's like he had this goodness all along and, and, and people weren't seeing it. I'm like, eh, I, I did have to just like, okay, if I'm going to enjoy this, I have to accept that. And I did. And I do think, you know, like the, they're very hot together. The sex scenes worked for me and everything. Um, I love his wit. He is very smart. Like they don't mention him as a smart character, but even in, in the Harry Potter books, he must be smart because he's constantly putting people down. Like he's very quick and witty. So um, yeah, I liked it. I would say it worked for me, but but yeah, there was a little bit, no one has ever written... Yet, I think the fic that is going to make me a true Lucius Malfoy fan. I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I do think it was the best one. Like, I I feel like the small bit of like, oh, my daddy set me up for failure. Should I follow down the path? That specific section was like, "Mm," for me. But the rest of like, I was just kind of a sheepish follower and it got me into trouble. And I'm kind of a shit ass person. But time in jail made me realize it's better to be bad only on the inside. Like, and to me, that's what I took from it. And it's like, yeah, it's like nothing is black and white. Like Harry is not actually just a good guy and neither is Hermione really. And so it's like it, instead of Lucius just being painted with the true, I'm a bad guy, like brush, he's a little bit more in the gray area in this. And I, I think, I think it's more believable. Yeah. I, I did not buy specifically, specifically when they said like he was mentioning that He's the one who mostly raised Draco. Yeah, that was... And that he and that he loves children and stuff. And I'm just like, what? Like, I think... Yeah, but he also seem... says, like, it's not because I'm woke. It's because we're, like, pure-blood aristocracy and we don't trust the women to, like, raise the heirs. Like, he actually does say that. 
Well, he says, I did most of the raising because it's this weird pure blood tradition. Um, but then also I love children and like, and just showing him being kind to his house elves and stuff. And like, it's just, they were acting like he would had this goodness in him the whole time. And I, I don't think so. I don't think I so, think, but it's fine. I think they did a lot of his like change of heart character development before the story starts. Like, yes. They're they're treating his time in Azkaban and like what happened to his wife and what happened to Draco is like this big like life changing thing, but we don't really see that transformation. So like for me it's plausible, but I definitely see your point where it's like yeah he was abusive and that's never really addressed. Truth. Yeah, well and like even if it was I was shitty and now I'm not shitty, I can buy that. But they she tried a little bit to say that he was never really that shitty, and I'm like he was really shitty at one point. <laughs> 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 I can buy that you're not shitty now, but you were definitely shitty yesterday. This is, yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I'm not 100% Team Lucius for life, but I would be like, no, this is good. This, this at least doesn't completely ignore that he was a baddie or Hermione yeah. just randomly doesn't like acknowledge that he was a bad guy. Like it's at least addressed. Maybe not like perfectly because it's hard to like completely smooth over all that but at least it's brought up and so i'm like all right we tried move it on like because that's my biggest yeah. thing is like if you just don't discuss it i'm just like well that's just kind of feels lazy like you know yeah, like when she first sees him again like her initial reaction is like fear and he picks up on that too and i think like that's better yeah than some of the portrayals we've seen where she's just like oh there he is <laughs> oh he's hot <laughs> forgot, how, forgot how hot that guy was yeah <laughs> So that kind of brings us to the sex scenes. Does anyone want to talk about... Oh, wait, Mira, did you want to talk about them together first? Did you want to talk about how their relationship works for you in this story? The relationship is great. <laughs> um, I, I really like their relationship in this. I think the slow burn kind of building that they do through the letters is great. I love their intellectual compatibility. I think... And this is kind of, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little here with my high points, but like, what I really love about this story is that it does a good job of illustrating kind of how people change over time. And like, she's with Ron because that was her dream at like 16 years old or whatever. And being with Lucius, she finds this is actually compatible with her goals and her dreams now, like as an adult woman and kind of doing the academic thing and changing the world through works and her like work on the cultural committee. Cool. So now sex. <laughs> <laughs> How sex? Why sex? What sex? Describe. <laughs> well, related to sex, I do feel like there's a common theme with one of Hermira's other choice. He's yes. Just... <laughs> there's, there's two things and I'm like, Holy shit, these are consistent. I hope they're the same as the two that I've got. Okay, I'm <laughs> oh, no. so excited. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Say okay. Say okay, so he's described as tasting like, let me check my notes here, because I wrote this down to make sure I had it right. <laughs> Tasted oh, like whiskey, coffee, caramel, and the darkest, sweet, and bitter chocolate. And I think I probably misquoted it, but you get the idea. Chocolate again, Mira? And then number no, two, number I did two, not like the there is blacking out story. during sex again. Oh, she does. She I was hoping out. you didn't notice that. She has a little blackout. Just a, just a wee blackout. 
this is funny because Abby, neither one of those are mine. Well, uh, commonalities I... from the last one. Wow. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh my. But I just thought it was funny. I had like a little ho ho chuckle while I was reading that out loud, and Greg's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Oh, don't mind me. Don't mind me." <laughs> um, um, yeah. My commonalities were, if you want to know, um, he's got a huge cock in this one. Um, <laughs> although it's 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 classy. They were just like they oh, were a little classier huge. about oh. it. Yeah. We, we don't have as much time with the cock in this one as we did in the other one. So it's only mentioned when we see the cock. Um, Just a splash of sausage. <laughs> but also this um, idea, which is, is very hot. I think it was, a, it was a very hot scene that Lucius Malfoy is so big and imposing that he comes up behind Hermione presses her back against him and then just kind of plays her like a cello. <laughs> he did that. He did that in this one. He did that in the last one. It's great. I think it's it's super hot. Um, you would have to ha- be small, or the guy would have to be enormous, or whatever, whoever you were having sex with. You'd have to have a, a significant size difference, I think, for this to work mechanically, but yeah, those are mine. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was, uh, they are pretty good. It was really interesting to see that really she didn't get to touch him at all until the final moment, but I, w- I would say they were good. Though I do also feel like this was a formula on how to woo Mira. Bring me books, yes. gift me books, talk to me about books, write me letters. Lunchbox. Yeah. Anyone is welcome to try. Um, <laughs> um, oh, challenge it. No. <laughs> so uh, just to lay a little bit of groundwork for what we're talking about, they, um, she, she kind of gets into this romance with Lucius via letters. She's starting to become attached to him. She's attracted to him, um, but she's with Ron. And she actually eventually becomes engaged to Ron, which is a huge mistake. Oh, but anyway. The engagement. Um, the engagement yeah. is awful. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was just like, no, no. Now I understand why this is 90,000 words. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I, I think this this story suffers a little bit from coming one week after um, we read Abby's story, where there's also a long overdue breakup with Ron. So I'm like, oh God, it's happening again. (laughs) Obviously you're going to break up with him. Jesus, like break up with him. Oh my God, bite the bullet. But anyway, she, so, so she's attached. So she does some stuff with Lucius, but it's, it's cheating on Ron um, to a certain extent, but it's more Lucius does stuff to her. And then when it's finally time for her to do stuff to him, she's like, oh, I think we should take things slow. <laughs> and he's totally fine with it. So we do not see um, any actual sex till I think the, the very last chapter or the second to last chapter. There's supposedly one more chapter coming still, isn't there? This is incomplete. I think that's an error. Unless it's supposed to be an epilogue or I, there's something. A, there is an epilogue and some other stuff coming, supposedly. So we'll see how yeah. it ties up. She does say... Yeah, she says she's going to do an epilogue. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, sure. I believe her, but I think we have enough to oh, yeah. kind of go on. And epilogues are usually rotten. It's like, they mm-hmm. had five kids and they named them after the five muses. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that I don't love that shit, but I'm embarrassed about it. So. <laughs> Just be ashamed like everyone else, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think there's something you said about the fact that like, she did form her adult identity while dating Ron like she became an adult during that time so she never had a chance to figure out her own tastes or really be her own person and so part of me is like screaming for her like run don't go anywhere near Lucius until you've like had your fun and figured yourself out because it's hard if you're just with someone the whole time 
Well, and she gets a part of the reason why she kind of stops the physical contact with Lucius is because, um, is it Andromeda? Yes. She's basically gives her a talking to where it's just like, you're in a rebound phase and that's fine, but you better not do it with Lucius, damn it. Like, mm-hmm. don't hurt him. And so she backs off a little bit. It is very convenient, though. It's right when that check was coming due for her to tangle with the monster. <laughs> she tries to tangle with the monster a couple of times and he stops her. He's like, not with that ring on your finger. Right, but then she's like, hey, but then he's like, hey, ring's gone, dick time, and then she's like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it works in the story. I just thought it was funny. And really, like, I relate very hard to Hermione's trouble breaking it off with Ron. Like, I am conflict avoidant. Like, she's insecure um, and, like, This is very, very relatable to me. Like, I would have a a hell of a time, especially how entwined she is with the Weasley family, breaking off a public engagement with Ron. Like, I understand why it was so hard and why it took so long in the story. I just, it wasn't particularly enjoyable to read. And, like, I don't need to face these hideous parts of myself. Like, she's a Gryffindor. (laughs) She should just dump his ass. But I think part of the story that I really liked, too, was, like, this is peacetime like, all of this normalcy, all of these, like, maybe subpar relationships were, like, really hard won. Like, they're just enjoying, like, being normal and having the relationships that they wanted to have. And, like, Harry and Ginny are married and they're like, everything's great now. Like, the war is over. And so I think it takes them a little bit harder of a push to get out of bad relationships because they're just like, we're not dying anymore. It's great. Let's enjoy this. Why aren't we enjoying this? That reminds me, um, uh, do we want to talk a little bit about um, Ginny and Malfoy and Harry's relationship in this? Not not, not, not Lucius, but Draco Malfoy. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Ginny is cheating on Harry. It's initially ambiguous with who it comes out that it's Malfoy, but it honestly the moment the moment when Hermione busts in to be like who is that sandy haired person you were canoodling that was in the papers with you and Luna's there I was like oh shit it's gonna be Luna and then yeah, it wasn't <laughs> I was so ready I was like oh my god yes like oh, and sad. then I was like oh okay I guess this is fine but it would have just been even better following last week's story <laughs> Yeah, Luna gets I, I passed was surprised around. How much I liked Ginny and Draco together, mm-hmm. um, with a very, very short explanation of how their relationship was um, conceived. So Luna and Ginny tell Hermione how the relationship started, um, and I'm just—I was immediately on board with it. I was like, okay, like we've got this really depressed, suicidal um, Draco. His mother's dying. His father's in jail. Um, and for some reason that all worked for me. I'm not usually a, a Draco guy, but like him just being this like bitter, sarcastic person at the edge of this story. I loved it. I bought into it a hundred percent. It definitely, yeah. this whole story has flavors of K-drama to me. Like, <laughs> like a lot of it, like, oh no, you're in the hospital. We met at this random park and now we're in love. And oh, I'm in, your, your wife died and I fell into your arms and then you touched me naughty in the museum. Like just how it all came together. I was just like, yeah, I, I could see this like live action in a Korean drama. Like this is a good, this is a good thing. <laughs> we got to get Jason Isaacs into it though. All, all <laughs> Korean cast. <except> for <laughs> I, I really like Lucius's kind of explanation of why they're compatible 
which is that, you know, for all the bonds that Ginny has with her friends, like, she woke up with blood on her hands, like, as a child and was responsible for bad things. And there are not a lot of people who understand that kind of guilt, but Draco does. There's also not a lot of people who want to talk about it after the war, probably, either. Exactly. I don't know how magical mental health care is, but I'm not thinking it's super good. (laughs) Doesn't seem great. And there was a good, you know, like, Harry has been through so much and is this famous hero that, like, Ginny went through trauma. She fought in the war. She was left behind at Hogwarts with the Caros and everything. Um, And so she doesn't really have any space for her problems because Harry is this huge personality, you know? And so... That made sense to me. Like, I've never thought about it before, but I was like, yeah, that's kind of... And also, like, she's only one year younger than them. She should not have been so excluded from the Golden Trio. You know, people call Ron and Hermione and Mm -hmm. and Harry the Golden Trio. Like, get Ron out of there. Ginny was the one who should have been. (laughs) (laughs) They just, they did treat her as this, you know, this fourth wheel. Well, four wheels are good. Fifth wheel. (laughs) (laughs) So I understood her alienation and then everyone worshiping Harry so much. Um, And he's great in this story. He's not a dick, but like just Draco being one of the few people who's got any ambiguity about how they feel about Harry Potter, um, making him someone that Ginny can really talk to made sense to me. I thought that was cool. Yeah. That's one of the things I did like about the story. I think the best, like every character they bothered to introduce, they did develop at least enough that they seemed rounded out. And so none of them seemed wasted to me. It wasn't like wasted effort. I would have liked to see some drunken McGonagall or something. In there. I mean, I'm still looking for the McGonagall fic. I'm looking, but I cannot find. I want a good... I, I, I mean, I, I have one. It's really gross, but... I want a good one. <laughs> not a gross I'll just send one. it to you. Okay. One yeah. thing that keeps coming up in, in the story, though, is... God, the dad Weasley is such a potato. Like, I can't get over what a potato he is, bless. But, like... <laughs> there, there's a line where they're talking about everybody and like they, they, there's a long description of like Bill's doing this or Molly's doing that and making eye contact and it just said at the end Arthur just looked sadly befuddled <laughs> like that's all they could say about him <laughs> and I'm like oh poor Ron's dad <laughs> yep well every time you have a kid they just take like 10% of your soul and <laughs> oh, after Jesus. a certain point you, like, you you have too many kids, you get this hollowed out thing and nothing can surprise you. I, I don't know if that's... My, I have I have an aunt who um, had 12 kids and like a bomb could moly. go off and I don't know if she would flinch at that, at this point. Like, not that she's, not that she's dumb, not that she's unaware, but just that you just lose your give a shit, man. Like, you gave a little bit of it to each one of those kids and now it's gone. <laughs> I will start with high points and low points. Um... For high points, I have two quotes, because I like the writing in this in general. The quality of the writing is good, Um, but I have two specific quotes. Um, The first one was from chapter three, and I thought it was really good, so I'm going to read it. Um, So please forgive me for this. Um, She hadn't realized... Oh, and I'm sorry, i got to set this up a little bit. Um, Hermione starts writing with Lucius and realizes that they have some kind of a connection. Um, And that's, that's where we're at at this point in the story. She hadn't realized it until they'd begun their correspondence, but Hermione felt like she'd somehow managed to slip under some kind of blanket while she'd been otherwise busy going about the living of her life. She felt her mind grow sharper as the week wore on, watched as problems at work fell away with only a few moments' focused attention. She'd given up the dreadful habit she and Ron had grown into, of flipping on the telly once he got home from work, letting the soothing comfort food nothingness of the muggle programs carry their worries, 
along with her ideas, wonderments, and curiosities, away into the soft blur of the screen. She'd even begun to notice things in the world around her that had previously escaped her attention, like she'd been walking in a daze. The glint of the morning sun on the pond on, in, on, in the park on her way to work, the dance of the mated sparrows who had nested in the tree in front of their flat. She'd thought that the slowly creeping dullness of the world around her had been a result of simply growing older, but maybe she'd just let herself fall into a rut. I thought that was great. That's like yeah, scarily that, relatable. It's man. scarily accurate. Not to be like tiny <laughs> violin, but I think almost everyone's you at least had one it. period in their life where they're like, oh my God. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and then I have one more quote. This one's a little shorter. So this is towards the end. Ron and Hermione are arguing and they're already split up at this point, but Ron is being an asshole and ransacking her house because he found out about her relationship with Lucius which kind of slightly overlapped with her relationship with Ron. So he's freaking out. And he had called her a frigid bitch earlier in the book, earlier in the story, because she doesn't want to have sex with him. Um, and so he's like, well, he's at least you weren't cheating on me because he would have figured out that you were a frigid bitch. And she says back to him, he fingered me in the Renaissance wing of the National Gallery and gave me the best orgasm of my life. <laughs> that's like, oh, that is the best middle finger. Screw you, Ron. Wow, thanks. Nice and specific. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, those are my two high points. Um, and then Draco that I already mentioned. So for my low point, um, I already talked about the not being quite convinced of Lucius with is not such a bad dude um, thing, but you know, you have to buy it to enjoy the story. And I did. Um, the second um, is that is the long process of Hermione breaking up with Ron. It's not unrealistic, but I think it could have been condensed somewhat, or I just found it painful to read um, maybe because it was kind of relatable as well. Um, and then there's very little magic in the story. Like this story does not really need magic to be a story. These characters are from Harry Potter but there's not any like magical mysteries going on. And I like some magical mysteries. So I think, I think I see what you mean, like Abby about how this could be a K drama because they're really, you know, you don't really need magic for this story. To yeah. Work. This plot could happen in any set universe. Really. It's just fun yeah. with characters. You already know. Yeah. So that's me. Does anyone want to go next with their high point? I will. I will. My high point was the museum. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, this whole business of, no, he said, his voice hoarse, and he cleared his throat before I continue. No, as I think I've thoroughly demonstrated, whether you let yourself acknowledge it or not, you're already mine, Hermione Granger, but you have to get rid of that, he said, with a pointed stare at the ring on her left hand, before I'm yours. Just the moment where he's like, girl, I got you, and I was like, whoa, I felt my eyebrows get singed by just the, like, confidence. <laughs> yeah, it was hot. It was hot. Like... And that, that, is, that is the same scene that, that Hermione's talking about when she gets fingered mm -hmm. and has the best orgasm of her life. It is very hot. It's the same one I was also talking about, how he plays her like a cello, like, <laughs> she's looking at a painting, and he, yeah. It's like, but what's weird is it's not just like he dominates her, it's like they are legitimately talking about art. They have a, like, intellectual exchange in which he proves that he's read a book she gifted him and so like mental <laughs> mental boner there happens like connection and like she's really into it it's not just like he's like i cornered you and took you it was like no it was very much like a mutually beneficial moment there so that was definitely a high point for sure and oddly enough a high point for me was the mention of 
would this winter with its parade of emotional turbulence and eventful weekends never end? And I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel about winter holidays. <laughs> because it's nonstop. You love it and you love it all at the same time. But honestly, the worst part for me that I was like, no, like screaming about was the damn engagement. That, oh, yeah. that was awful. Do you want to set that up for us oh, a little bit? Oh, God, yeah. I'm like, it, it hurts my heart to even think about it. It's like giving me heartburn. Whew. But the whole thing <laughs> is, they just had a row. Ron and Hermione did. And so they kind of made up, sort of, kind of. And it's only been like, I don't know, 72 hours, maybe, it seems like. And they yeah. ended up going out to Hogwarts, actually, to watch the final Quidditch game of the season, which is actually something Hermione likes because whereas she's not super into Quidditch, she does like seeing their old friends and, and being reminded of some of like the happy moments and seeing how far the restoration of the school has gone. And so she was very happy to be back, surrounded by all these warm feelings and happy memories. And so they're walking across the lawn after the game and everyone's all high on life or whatever. And he gets down on one knee and proposes like next to the lake where they used to hang out as kids during the good old days, right? So it's just like a sea of nostalgic and emotional manipulation all around her, honestly, which I think... I'm torn. Is, is Ron smart enough to have actually done that? Or is it just an accident? Like, is he like a savant? Like, because I don't know if he's smart <laughs> enough to actually manipulate anybody. Um, and the part that makes it me just like burn with rage worse is that up on the hill are his folks and like all their friends and family that already knew that this was going to happen. So she didn't have a single chance to like yeah. quietly make a real decision for herself. It was just an, an assumption. And she goes yep. into this later when she has a rage, when they're like breaking it off and she realizes like all this anger she has where she was an entitlement. He was entitled to marry her or entitled to her body or entitled to paw over her when he came home drunk from the pub. And just that feeling of like, I, I get that man. Like that's just a moment of like, rah! like I still like yep. flame up about it. That yeah. was my low point, and not because it was poorly written, just because it incited such a degree of rage in me personally. Yeah. <laughs> my high points for the actual like writing are it's it's really well written. I really enjoyed it, honestly. Like I have no gripes about that. There wasn't a lot of weakness in the actual writing itself that I could pick up on. Mind you, I'm not a professional writer, and uh, like I, I'm with you that like I had to suspend a little bit of disbelief because of Lucius, but it was possible in this one for me. So it's like. Any gripe I have with it as a full piece of art, so to speak, is mostly from my own hang-ups with Lucius, not anything <laughs> else, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. How about you for high points and low points, Mira? All of it is great. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think the high point, I have a few. Um, just their intellectual compatibility just really, really does it for me. You're talking about like that scene in the museum where like he proves that he's read the book that she's given him and it like really does it for her. And I think this author does a really good job of like building that romance and that bond between two people where it's like, yeah, they're super attracted to each other's bodies and like it's hot and stuff, but it's hot because they care so much about each other and they see so much of each other and like appreciate how their brains work and like they just really turn each other on like in every way it really and... strokes strokes the lady boner yeah like it's that <laughs> emotional development and the author does such a good job of it 
And like even like the academic conversations that they're having and like their letters and stuff, the author isn't just like, and then they said some smart shit to each other. Like you actually, <laughs> you actually get their letters and like believable things that they would discuss. And like you said, there's not a lot of magic in this, but I really enjoyed like what their academic kind of topics were, like the intersection of magic and muggle physics and just like what you would actually maybe study as a person who was interested in like muggle history and wizard history kind of intersecting. Like, I don't know, like, I just want to read about that. Like, I'm actually interested in like, what parallels did they draw? Like, that's kind of cool. Daily life in magical world. Yeah, and like academia and magical world and like things that she would actually be interested in. And I already mentioned this, but like, I like how her relationship with him makes her her more ideal version of herself. Like, Audrey, you read that passage about her coming more alive and like noticing things and becoming less lazy and stuff, you know, through her intercourse with him. <laughs> Discourse or just... intercourse. Potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's really great. Like, her work with him at the ministry is, like, actually fulfilling her goals of making the world better and stuff like that. Plus, I get to say the word epistolary. It's a good word. I, I totally judged this fanfic by its title because I was like, epistolary sold. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to explain epistolary means, like, told through letters? Yes. Okay. Like, um, yeah. like Frankenstein, if you've ever read that, is epistolary. And I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think you are. I I, I will probably never say it again in my life. I think that's the last one. Is Dra Dracula's also right? Yes. I can't remember the last time I read Frankenstein, but yeah, there's a few, and they're great. Kind of an old timey way of writing sexiness. <laughs> there was a greasy spot on the paper. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Hold it up to the sun. You can see right through it. What a letter. <laughs> I, I also like when she breaks up with Ron and she's going through like everything she's planned out in her head about like she's going to calmly tell him like all of the logical reasons why they shouldn't be together anymore and forgive him whatever he'd ended up doing last night when he went missing. And instead, she just flies into a rage because he's just, like, in a drunken stupor on the bed. And she, like, pushes him out of the bed and just starts screaming at him. And I'm like, yep. That was, that was is... a good moment. Mm -hmm. We had been waiting a long time for that. This is what you deserve. Um, low points for me. I don't have a lot of low points. I think Harry is fairly well written. I think Harry Potter in a lot of these stories is kind of a dud. Like, people don't know how to write him. And I think he's better in this, but if anything, I think he's a little bit too supportive and a little tw too quick to understanding. Like, he has a lot of reason to be just, like, really pissed off in this, and he's just yeah. like, it's fine. He's like, it's nobody's fault that Ginny's cheating on me with my childhood tormentor. <laughs> yeah, he said it's nobody's fault, and I'm like, eh, that's a little generous. <laughs> Like, I'm glad you can come around and understand it, but, like, eh, you're not that mature. Like, I know you're not a teenager anymore with, like, a horcrux, but, come on. 
so um, that kind of brings us to the end of the story. Mira, do you want to describe how this boy ends? So Harry and Ginny separate. Hermione breaks up with Ron. Hermione and Lucius have fooled around a bit, but she's trying to slow things down so she doesn't treat him like a rebound. Uh, sexy teasing letters ensue, and things are going great, except she's still kind of treating him like a little bit of a dirty secret. Uh, he wants to go to the next ministry event with her, but then she feels like it's too big of a public statement. She says no. And as you mentioned, uh, Ron discovers all of the letters. Um, he says mean shit about her being a cold fish, and she comes back with the zinger about <laughs> having the best orgasm of her life. the Renaissance wing of the army, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we can just say that forever now. Um, <laughs> Is that a bumper sticker that we need to make? <laughs> Smallest inside joke ever. Um, but yes. <laughs> so then uh, she kind of rushes out to the ministry event that she's late for. She goes straight up to Lucius and she just like snogs him senseless in front of everyone. And they basically like tell their boss, like, we got to go. Bye. And then they go back to his place and get busy. Um, so the next day, they are woken by Draco, Ginny, and Harry. It turns out that Ron has sold all of their letters to the Daily Prophet. And they find out that the only way that they could buy them back is by also selling their own story about Ginny's affair with Draco. Um, since they know this won't head off the scandal completely, they also go to the Quibbler, where Luna writes a more sympathetic version of Lucius and Hermione's love story. It still includes like, you know, the ugly bits and the cheating and things, but it's way closer to the truth, way more sympathetic. Uh, Draco, Ginny, and Harry all make plans to kind of leave the country for a while to dodge some of the fallout. And then uh, Hermione- Separately, not, separately, not together. Separately, right? that yes. That sounded very kinky, but- <laughs> That would have been great. Now they all go separately. Um, you kind of get the impression that Ginny, you know, is gonna figure some shit out on her own for once. And then Hermione and Lucius basically go back to bed and start getting frisky again. Lucius somewhat pleased that the whole of England knows that she's his now. And it kind of fades to black with them getting busy again. Yep. Um, and I had a question. This is towards the end, although not right at the end. When she breaks up with Ron, it's a night where um, he has refused to go to the art museum with her, and she's giving this presentation with Lucius. Um, he's refusing to go because of Lucius, and she's like, fine, stay home. And he said, no, I'm going out. So he goes out to drink. Um, she comes home from getting fingered in the Renaissance wing, um, and he's not there. So she's worried sick, and he eventually does come back, um, and he's drunk. And the reason I want to bring this up is that it's mentioned, but it's never discussed that he smells like cheap perfume when he goes uh -huh. Yes. Did he cheat on her? Because they're like, that's what that means to me. But yet, I mean, she's pissed at him, but she doesn't mention that, you know, like, I don't know if she just doesn't want to engage with that or what as the reader we're supposed to read. Yeah, that, that is an interesting detail I hadn't really picked up on. But to me, that would say like maybe the author was setting up some sort of other drama and they're like, eh, fuck it, let's let's skip past that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, oh feel, <clears throat> I feel like yes, he did do something inappropriate with someone else, at least tried to, because when she's going through in her head like how she's gonna calmly break up with him, she mentions how she's gonna like forgive him whatever he ended up doing last night. So I think it's kind of insinuated that like Yeah, he probably did do something. I don't know, he's a piece of shit. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, it's hard to care at that point, but just more, more Ron bashing. I feel like he's such a realistic piece of shit, though. Like, a lot of the things that he has done have happened to me, like, in my youth from people before, I feel. And, oh, you just want to punch him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely captured the desire to punch very well in this one. <laughs> like, this is what being just, like, a shitty dud of a boyfriend is. Mm-hmm. Read this and do not do yeah, not do this. Don't don't do this. Also, oh, ladies, man. it's it's kind of painful to read because it, there is some fundamental incompatibility between the two of them, and they they try really hard. They're like, it's date night, can't miss date night. Oh, I have to do something Ron likes tonight, or like you know he's going along to lectures and stuff. And it's like they really tried to make it work, but like they should not have tried to make it work. That was nope. a little. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, this was the best Ron bash I've ever read. I feel like, in the sense of like, I've, I've read more evil Rons, but this was a very long Ron bash. Yeah, I just felt like it was yeah. a very well-rounded hatred you form by the end. Yeah, <laughs> multi-dimensional hate. <laughs> yes. Um. So, what do you guys think happens to Lucius and Hermione after the story's over? Sex. Sex. More sex. I mean, they kind of set it up that uh, uh, happily ever after because he mentions that he's into raising kids, which was one of her problems with Ron is that she didn't want to give up. Oh her yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's this understanding that in the wizarding world, like the lady just you know gives up everything and raises the kids, and Hermione thinks this is super backwards and terrible. And then at some point, I think Lucius mentions like it's really hard to maintain secrecy of the wizarding world when you have like kids running around the muggle world just being like, I can do this, zap. <laughs> like, which is a good point, but also like ends up being super sexist. So I think that there should be magical together. daycare by now. Come on now. That's true. Like, like get can't with the you just have some brooms taken care of them or something? <laughs> Would you guys recommend Hell yeah. <laughs> I what think a... if you like slow burns and like a lot of intellectual stimulation, like I feel like this is kind of the epitome of like what like a good romance novel should kind of be. Like there's a lot of slow emotional build. You have to wait for the sex. You don't have to wait quite as long as you have to wait for Luna to give you the sex. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't with Ginny in this book. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, I think it was. Yeah, I would recommend it as well. Um, I think that's a good distinction um, because people come to these stories with different sets of expectations. So I would say this is not an erotic story. It's a romantic story that has sex in it. Um, And um, but yeah, if you're if you're into that and you're not going to be angry on uh chapter 18 when we haven't seen a dick yet then um yes <laughs> go for it <laughs> no I'm... I think it's great um and yeah especially if you love Ron bashing and slow burn and think that Lucius is hot go for it I would recommend it but I also think that it is not an explicit one I would consider this yeah. mature myself because explicit is the last story the last Ron Hermione not Ron the last uh, Lucius Hermione story. That shit was explicit. <laughs> that was that <laughs> well, was extra explicit. Well, y'all like that as much as your slow burn, so I gotta, I'm just saying, gotta play to the audience. But it, I, I do think its rating should be mature, not explicit. But it's very hard to get 
enough sex in that many chapters honestly like i feel like if you went for like full explicit you'd have to just write hermione's trapped in a like i don't know brothel as a prisoner for 18 chapters to get enough sex in for that many words i don't know what you do what would you do i have read i have read a a bdsm club one where it's just lucius and snape like going at her back and forth (laughs) and i think draco also makes an appearance oh my god i i I would argue you should take the hermione out of that equation and just have a a black and white cookie (laughs) um so coming up next time is one of my picks and speaking of weird premises that make sex happen it's called Sense and Insensibility um, by Desert Sea. It is a Lucius... No, I'm sorry. It's a Snape and <laughs> story. You know, you fucked me up. Lucius does make a small <laughs> appearance in here. Just a teaser. You'll see. Um, <laughs> so here's oh, no. the summary. Hermione is afflicted by a curse. Her hyper-attuned senses means that the entire world overwhelms her. She returns to Hogwarts in the hope that it can be the haven she needs, but she finds that it provides far more than she ever expected. So... For trigger warnings on this one, um, I would say that there is um, something supernatural happening that that causes everyone's consent to be questionable in this. Um, And I don't want to say more than that to spoil it. Um, And this is like dirty, dirty, dirty sex. Like, like if you were to say straight up fucking gross, like (laughs) maybe straight up fucking gross. um this yeah i thought i thought we had been a little pg so this is a reaction to that so um (laughs) i don't know what you're gonna come up with for a drink abby i really don't but (laughs) just fucking filthy is what the drink will be called lots of different fluids in a cup grog (laughs) (laughs) you guys know what a garbage shot is oh god i don't know if i want to google it Uh, no no it's not that gross it's so they have that drip tray under the bartender's um mixing station it's just when you take the dip drip tray and dump it into a glass and and drink it so that seems like a great way to get ill (laughs) we'll have to go to a bar and be like give me your give me your runoff (laughs) standards we have to have standards somewhere (laughs) it's gonna be our cocktails damn it (laughs) <laughs> long island iced tea <laughs> that's a legit version of that right yes yeah, yes there's some good ones mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks for listening to this week's edition of shipwrecks as always check the show notes for links to this and next week's story be sure to follow us on social for the latest updates and extras tune in next week for more ships and more wrecks Welcome to Shipwrecks, a podcast where we recommend and review erotic fanfiction. I'm Audrey, and with me here today are my friends, Miri... <laughs> hey, my name! <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty name. Hey, Miri! 